Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. This morning we're talking about hope for the anxious and good sermon often starts with a couple anecdotes or a few statistics about why the thing we're going to be talking about is important, and I've got a few of those written down here, but can, can we just skip those and say, like, anxiety is a thing, and all of us have some sort of anxiety sometimes? Maybe the thought of listening to 25 minutes of someone talking about anxiety makes you feel a little bit anxious. And if it does, I just want you to know that for me, the thought of talking about anxiety for 25 minutes in front of you makes me feel a little bit anxious. I didn't sleep super well last night, um, which is pretty ironic to be anxious about talking about anxiety. It's a, it's a complex topic, right? It's complicated. And uh, I've, I've studied and I've talked through this uh, message with several of you and with some of my coaches and I want to be clear, and I want to give a message of hope. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm not a, not a mental health professional. I want to talk about how we can invite Jesus into our experience of anxiety. How do we experience his presence and his peace in that reality? And it's a complex topic, and if you ever have a question about a message that I'm preaching, if we get to the end of this and you have a question about something I've said, about how I've said it, would you do me a favor and would you you come and talk to me and ask me about it. What did you mean when you said that? It, it could be that I just wasn't very clear about something. If you ever have a question about a complex issue that we're talking about, that I've preached about that someone else has, but come, come talk to me about it. I'd love to learn and grow as a communicator, and maybe we can clear up any miscommunications that might happen. You know, anxiety is something that both... Uh, Bonnie's side of the family, my side of the family, back several generations has dealt with, has been a reality, has been a point of of suffering in our families and and in our lives. And as we've pastored and prayed for others for the last 11 or 12 years in ministry, many, many, many people that we talk and we pray with and that we share our lives with struggle with anxiety in some shape. So I want to do just two things this morning. I want to talk about what is anxiety. I want to get clear on what we're talking about when we talk about anxiety. What is anxiety? There's different types, there's different levels, there's different stigmas, there's different responses to it. What, what is it? Um, sometimes, uh, spoiler alert, this is what I'm going to say in a minute, uh, in a little bit longer way, but sometimes it's a, a mental health issue that needs diagnosis, that needs professional care, that needs medication. Sometimes it's not that type of anxiety, not that level. Sometimes it comes from really hard things that are going on in our life right now in the present. Sometimes it's connected to really hard things that have gone on in our life in the past. But what is it? What is anxiety? What are we talking about? And second, how do we invite Jesus into it? I think that's what this Philippians passage that we just read is about. How do we, in the midst of our anxiety, doesn't all just magically go away. In the midst of our anxiety, how do we experience the presence of Jesus? And how do we learn more and more to enter into his peace? That sound okay? All right. 
So what is anxiety? Well, there's different types and different levels, and most of us will feel um, levels of anxiety because of external circumstances in our lives, right? Things are tough at work or at school, or there's a relationship that's going on, and we can feel that anxiety. You might feel it before you're taking a test, before you're making an important decision, or before you're preaching about it. For some people I've talked with and prayed with, they can feel anxiety not because of present uh, external circumstances, but because of past uh, experiences. Something hard that happened in their past that when they get into a similar situation now, all of those past anxieties kind of come back. I work at uh, Two Brothers uh, Coffee Shop, not the, not the pub, at the coffee shop uh, during the week. And, but they do have all the brewery equipment right out there. And some days of the month when they're doing their brewing, it's really loud. And they've got different compressors and different machines going. And it's just whirring and whirring and whirring. And you find yourself talking with someone. And you're talking like this over the, the noise uh, floor threshold. Um, that's the technical audio term for that. But you're talking over the noise. And then all of a sudden, it like stops. And you realize, oh, my goodness. That was so loud, and I hadn't noticed it, and I'd been kind of on edge for the last hour, and it's like, oh, it stopped. That's how we experience anxiety in our lives a lot of the time, right? And something clears up, and we kind of go, oh, man, I was really anxious about that thing. For some of us, it comes and goes, but for some of us, that sounds just always there. It doesn't ever shut off. It just kind of keeps humming and keeps going. And it's not just external realities, although those can make it harder. It's not just past experiences. Those can make it harder. But there's actually an internal physiological, biological reality. There's just always anxiety there. The National Institute of Mental Health says that some folks with anxiety disorders experience anxiety that just doesn't go away. And that over time, it can get worse. And it can start to interfere with daily activities, your job, your school, your relationships. 18% of Americans are diagnosed with that every year, struggle with that. So it's just the people who are diagnosed and seek treatment. 40 million people. And if you're struggling with that kind of level of anxiety, I'd love to talk with I'm not a mental health professional, but I have a list of counselors and therapists and professionals that I or one of my fellow pastors in our church network have met with and have interviewed and that we trust. I'd love to help get a referral for you, help get you connected to someone who can explore what's happening physiologically. And that could be the first step for healing for you, seeking treatment like Lifestyle and physical changes, counseling, therapy, and medication. There's different levels of anxiety, and unfortunately, there's different stigmas about anxiety, too. Um, Bonnie used to work at Christianity Today, the Christian publishing organization. And while she was there, her supervisor was Amy Simpson, who's a now an author and speaker about mental health and the church, and got to be at one of her workshops just a few months ago. And she said this about mental illness. She says, mental illness is stigmatized in our culture, and within the church we add our own layers of stigma. 
Many churches assume all mental illness is spiritual in nature and reflects a spiritual weakness or lack of faith. So people who are suffering need to know they're not alone and that within their suffering they can find acceptance and hope within the church. Don't we want to be a church like that where if you're suffering with a mental health issue that it's safe, that there's not a stigma, that this is the place we can talk about it and we can find support? Don't we want to be a church like that? We've tried to be intentional as preachers to talk about mental health issues Casey's preached on it. I've preached about it. This is where we should support one another. This is where it should be okay to talk about. And we don't want to over-spiritualize something that is physiological and spiritual. We don't want to pretend it's just spiritual. When someone has a physical illness, we pray for them, and then we help them get medical treatment. The same is true with mental health. We're sacramental. Sacramental, which means we believe the physical and the spiritual are intertwined. They go together. They can't be separated out. So we don't want to neglect the spiritual reality of anxiety either. Amy Simpson goes on to say, a mental health crisis is almost always connected to some level of spiritual crisis. When your thoughts and emotions are thrown off, it's hard to cling to truth. Recognizing those spiritual needs are present And trying to address those needs can be as simple as praying with people, reminding them that God loves them, and listening to their questions. If we over-spiritualize anxiety, if we say that all anxiety is a spiritual weakness, we create a lose-lose situation in prayer. This is the situation we create in prayer. We say, God, if all anxiety is weakness, then please take it all away. And if he doesn't take it all away, then there's either something wrong with God or something wrong with me. Lose, lose. But that's not how it works. That's an over-spiritualizing. But if we under-spiritualize it, if it's just a matter of professional treatment, we miss out on the opportunity to meet Jesus and experience his presence and peace in the midst of our anxiety. We don't want to over-spiritualize. We don't want to under-spiritualize. We want to middle-spiritualize. I don't know what the, what's the, I don't know what that is. We want to just be right about it, I guess. I don't know. Listen, if you're struggling with a mental health reality, if that's the level, the type of anxiety that you're struggling with, It's not something you need to confess. You're not spiritually weaker than anybody else. And if you've been prescribed treatment and you're doing therapy or you're taking medication and that's helping, praise God. That's his healing for you. But we also don't want to disconnect it from spiritual lives. He wants to bring his presence and peace into that entire process altogether. Different types of anxieties. There's different stigmas about it. I'm going to talk for the rest of our time, about how we invite Jesus into it. And now as I'm talking about anxiety going forward, I'm going to talk about it in a much more general way. Let's turn to that passage from Philippians. It's on page 1497. If you're looking for the Bible that's in your row, go ahead and grab that and turn to page 1497. I didn't know this, but apparently Amazon tracks which uh, passages and books get read the most. 
on its, like, uh, on its readers and things. And so they know like what passage from the Twilight series is the most popular or from like 1984, Jane Austen or whatever. Um, they also track what's the most popular passage in the Bible. And it's not John 3.16, for God so loved the world, or maybe some other passages we might think. It's this one. Don't be anxious about anything. One of Jesus' core teachings on his Sermon on the Mount, his kind of core teaching, is about anxiety as well. Paul teaches about it. Jesus teaches about it. Because God knows. <laughs> we need it. Jesus says, your father knows what you need. He knows we're anxious people. He wants to give us some tools. He wants to invite us to invite him into it. And Paul talks about anxiety not because he's somehow impervious to it. When I read Paul, I actually think this is a pretty intense and probably pretty anxious guy. That's how, that's, I mean, maybe that's wrong. I, I, didn't, I didn't know him. But when I read him, that's what I think. And I think God put him on an intensive anxiety healing regimen that included a shipwreck, a poisonous snake bite, getting stoned and publicly beaten, being involved in a ton of relational conflict. God puts him on an anxiety healing regimen. And in this passage, that includes trying to mediate relational conflict in the first three verses of this passage, his friends and ministry colleagues, Iodia and Syntyche, um, these women are in a conflict and he's trying to sort it all out. That would be enough to get all my anxiety going. Paul's writing this letter from prison, right? He's been jailed. In prison, he didn't know when his meal was coming. People, other people had to bring him meal. Man. So Paul's talking about this with a ton of anxiety-producing external circumstances. And what does he say? He says in verse 6, in every situation, in the midst of all your anxiety, the anxiety you've experienced in the past, anxiety that you're experiencing right now, in the midst of all of that, he says it again in verse 11, if you uh, turn the page over. He says, I've learned in every situation, in every circumstance. He's like, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have troubles. I know what it is to have all of these things to be anxious about. But in every situation, what? Present your request to God. Invite God into it. Bring it to the Lord. Let your anxiety be an occasion for connection with God. Invite God into it in prayer. Ask him. That's what petition means. Ask. Give it to him. Offer it over to him. Why? Verse 5, what does it say? Because the Lord is near. Because he's with us in it. And what happens when the Lord is near? There's an old spiritual song that we used to sing growing up. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. That's what our gospel passage was. Jesus says, my peace I give you. My peace I bring you. Not as the world gives, I give it to you. Wasn't it beautiful to read that in Spanish? I don't know, something about the, the poetry of that in Spanish really ministered to me this morning. Paul says the peace of God transcends understanding. 
in our anxious thoughts, aren't we a lot of the times trying to figure things out and trying to understand every possibility and every ramification? And Paul says, God's peace, you don't have to understand it. It just is. What does he say the peace of God will do? Verse 7, it will guard your hearts and minds. It's not an accident that we call it an anxiety attack. Don't you feel like you're under attack by anxiety? (laughs) Paul knows how that feels. He's been under attack, literally, and in many other ways. He says God's peace can be a guard for you. It will protect you. And he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Friends, when we read that passage, we don't read it like Christians. Some of us have been taught to read it not like Christians. When we read that passage, sometimes we don't see any good news in it. We see the opposite of the gospel. We read that passage and we just think it says, all right, this is what you have to do. Now do it. Try harder. It's up to you. Does that help when you're feeling anxious? (laughs) Don't ever say that to an anxious person, please. Just try it. Try not to be anxious. That is not the gospel. We got to read this, we got to read this instruction from Paul with the shape of the gospel. The Bible says, be holy. Do we read that and say, all right, it's up to you. Go do it. And if you fail, you're a failure. No. How do we read that? We go, I'm not holy. Jesus is holy. He'll make me holy. Do you know who is anxious for nothing? Jesus. Only Jesus. There is no one else who is anxious for nothing. Jesus is anxious for nothing. Jesus and all the saints who have already made it into glory who he has already made completely whole. They're anxious for nothing. The rest of us, we are anxious for some things. Jesus is the only one who's anxious for nothing. We have to read this like Christians with the shape of the gospel. Here's the gospel for anxiety. We were made to be anxious for nothing. We were made without anxiety to know that in God our Father and in the good world he made, we have everything we need. And there is no fear and no worry because there's perfect love. That's what we were made for. But we're fallen and we're broken and things aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so we're stuck with anxiety and it's terrible. And all of us feel a measure of anxiety because we live in a broken world. Praise God, the Lord is near, and he doesn't leave us in our anxiety. Jesus comes to us to be present with us in our anxiety. That's what it means for him to be made human. When you're feeling especially anxious, who do you want with you? 
Do you want someone else who's also feeling especially anxious? Have you ever been about to go into, you know, a surgical procedure and your nurse is feeling anxious? That's the worst, right? Now, that's, a, that's a very hard job to do, but we know how amazing it is when you have a caregiver who can absorb your anxiety and who has peace, and then they have to go home after their long shift, shift and figure out how they're going to deal with all the anxiety they absorbed, right? No, we want what in, in the caregiving professionals we call a non-anxious presence. Jesus is born to be a non-anxious presence for us. That in our anxiety, he's with us and he's anxious for nothing. We weren't made to be anxious, but we're broken and our world is anxious. But Jesus comes bit by bit to heal us from our anxiety. And one day we will be made whole In heaven, we will be complete, and we won't be anxious anymore. I tried imagining that. What will it feel like to not have any anxiety? I imagined us all walking into heaven. And I imagined it for those of you who I know, anxiety is just a daily battle. And you get there, and you're like, is so quiet. What am, I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just here. Why does my body feel so light and free? And someone comes up to you and they say, oh, did you get, just get here? And you're like, yeah, what's going on? And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot how it feels at first. It's just, you just don't have any anxiety anymore. It's gone. Your body is free. Your mind is free. Enjoy. We can't even imagine what that will be like, can we? But that's our hope. That's what the gospel is. In the place of anxiety, a peace that's even more tangible. That's what Jesus made us for, and that's why he came to rescue us. That's why he goes to the cross. So on the cross, he can be present with us in every moment of anxiety, in every moment of pain and suffering that causes some of our anxieties. He leaves us peace in the midst of our anxiety because on the cross, Jesus takes our anxiety upon himself. On the cross, he quotes the most anxious psalm there is, Psalm 22. God, did you abandon me? God, are all my worst fears coming true? God, is this what's going to happen to me? I'm on my own. Surely he's borne our worry. Surely he has carried all of our fears. Jesus on the cross lets us cast all of our anxiety upon him so that in every anxious moment, he's already there. On the cross of Jesus, he's already there. Every memory from our past, every anxious moment of our present, 
every biological imbalance in our mind, Jesus is already there. And our anxiety is transformed by his cross and resurrection into an opportunity to experience his healing presence. That the more we need him, the more we can know him. Because Jesus is in our anxiety and he's anxious for nothing. I'm going to share just a personal story as an example of this and an image as a way to think about anxiety and then three ways we can invite Jesus into it. And then we'll pray. Sometimes I, I like to think about anxiety as a carousel. You know, those carnival things with the horses that go round and round and up and down and they play the like kind of creepy waltzy music and and I just imagine like getting onto one of those and my thoughts just kind of racing around in circles up and down and it just kind of goes faster and you know what I'm talking about it goes faster and faster and then you feel like I can't get off I, I call it the anxiety carousel and we all take rides on the anxiety carousel don't we? And I think sometimes it, it can be kind of fun at first, something cathartic about it. Sometimes we try to ignore that we're on the carousel or forget it or to distract ourselves from it by doing other things. But most of the time, we just feel trapped. We just feel stuck in the circles and stuck in the up and down and stuck with that terrible, creepy clown music. So I got an email a few months ago from someone I knew and in the email, it raised a conflict. Man, that made me anxious. It made me so anxious. And I've been talking a lot recently with, with Bonnie and with friends and with my pastors and coaches and my therapists about how I really struggle with conflict. And in conflict, it just brings up so much anxiety. And I'm, I'm learning about that about me and... And it's connected to some things that happened in my past. There's still memories I have of conflict growing up and in my uh, young adult years where the conflict was unresolved and it was created a lot of anxiety. And when I experience conflict now, sometimes those feelings come back and I'm trying to, to learn about that and how to invite Jesus into that. I got this email and I got on the anxiety carousel. And man, I would just go around and around in my head the rest of that day, and I'd realize, oh my goodness, I've been on this carousel for the last 20 minutes, and I didn't even realize it. And I was rehashing every point of the email and overanalyzing every little thing and having imaginary conversations in my head with this person and that person and making incredibly well-crafted and profound arguments where I was proven 100% correct and the other person apologized profusely and told me how wonderful I was. And then I'd realize, I'm on the carousel. And I'd have the opportunity to say, Jesus, could you take this? I can't do the carousel. Can, can, can you take this? I'd present my requests and petitions to the Lord. Like, Jesus, come, come with me in the middle of this, and can you take it? And I'd be okay for a little bit, and then I'd realize, I'm on the carousel again. I was thinking about it for a week. And then the whole time I was writing the sermon, because I thought about the story again, all weekend, hopping back on the carousel. 
then something else interrupts you while you're on the carousel and a friend or a child or a spouse asks for something and you like snap at them. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Oh, don't mind me, just riding along the carousel. How do we invite Jesus into that? How do we, how do we say, Jesus, I wanna see that you're with me in this, but I also need you to help me slow it down, help me step off, help pull me off. And, and what Jesus can do is he can do that. He can slow the carousel down a little bit. He can help sometimes step you off of the carousel into the center of it. All those anxieties, they're still swirling around. The conflict is still there. The external realities are still there. But now you're with Jesus in kind of a a still point in a turning world, as T.S. Eliot said. And you can experience his peace with you. Anxiety is still there. Jesus is with you in it. Here are three sacramental ways to invite Jesus to be with you on the carousel, and to interrupt it. The first is with your imagination. Anxiety wants to overwhelm you. So will Jesus. He'll overwhelm you with his presence. So in those fears, imagine Jesus right there with you. If you're sitting at the table, if you're driving in the car, if you're on your bed, if you're reliving a memory, Jesus is and was with you Use your imagination to see who he was and what he was doing in that situation. And use these questions to help you. You can say, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you saying? You can pray through that by yourself or even better with a friend. You can use your imagination to invite and interrupt the carousel. You can use your voice. Anxiety wants to silence you. Jesus wants to speak to you. So you can say, I reject and renounce the voices of anxiety. Say this out loud. And then you can say, Jesus, help me hear your voice. What are you saying? What's the truth about this? I don't know what the truth is about this. Jesus, speak to me. I need to hear your voice. What are you saying? Your imagination, your voice, and your body. Anxiety wants to freeze you. It wants to tighten you up. Jesus wants to thaw you and set you free. There's this Danish word that I couldn't figure out how to pronounce, hagi, hagi, but it's about the embrace of winter. Their winters, I guess, are somehow even worse than ours. But they have this cultural understanding that if you just tense up and hate the whole thing the whole time, it actually makes it worse, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of fun to hate it, but... But they embrace the cold. And if, if you try this, if you go out when it's bitterly cold and you're tense, it's colder. But if you can relax, which is really, really hard, right? And embrace it. Praying with your body, inviting Jesus to interrupt your body actually helps you receive his presence. So pray with your body. Pray out loud. Open up your arms. Lift up your arms. Breathe deeply. Lay on the floor. Go for a walk. Speak it out loud to another body. Interrupt the carousel. Invite Jesus into it with your imagination, with your body, with your voice. And using scripture can do all three of those things. Did you, did you hear that psalm we read this morning? all the images it gives us that we can actually imagine ourselves in. 
that the nations are raging around us, but that the voice of Jesus is with us? You can live in that world, in your imagination, by speaking that voice, that, that, that scripture out loud, and by using your body to do it. We might not be anxious for nothing this side of heaven, but Jesus is. And we can be anxious for less. And we can experience his presence and his peace more. We can invite Jesus into the complex realities of anxiety, into the symptoms, into the stigmas, into the shame, into the physical parts, into the spiritual parts. And Jesus will minister his presence to us there. And one day, like him, we also will be anxious for nothing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.